This is G. Edward Griffin speaking, and you're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to another edition of the Corbett Report. I am your host, James Corbett, podcasting to you, as always, from the sunny climes of western Japan on this fourth day of October, 2009. I'd like to welcome all my listeners back to the Corbett Report and invite them, as always, to check out the websites CorbettReport.com and AlQaedaDoesn'tExist.com. Of course, you can also follow our podcast on our affiliate, KROXRadio1 at ZeroPointRadio.com, and also at BerkeleyLiberationRadio.org, CascadiaPublicRadio.org, RadioForAll.net, and Archive.org. On that note, this week I did receive two separate emails from two separate listeners who said they were unable to download two separate episodes of the podcast. And in that situation, especially when the file is up on the server and I can access it from my side, there's very little that I can do to troubleshoot that problem for those listeners. However, I would like to remind all my listeners that if they are ever unable to download any episode of the podcast for whatever reason, please go to archive.org and search for The Corbett Report, where you can find every single episode going back to episode 70 of this podcast. I'd also like to thank all of those listeners who continue to send in the 100 signs that we are winning, and I have received a lot of very good feedback about episode 100 of the podcast. But in my haste last week, I actually forgot to mention one of the signs that we are winning that was submitted in time for that podcast. So my apologies to Greg Perry of Utah, and his submission was as follows. Quote, Poll after poll after poll reveals how citizens disapprove of how the federal government is running this nation. An interesting byproduct of this trend can be shown in the FBI Arrests Table 34 for totals from 2004 to 2008, where suspicion is remarkably declined in all ages by 77%. Suspicion arrests are mostly dependent on citizen cooperation and their confidence in a system that is in their best interest. The sharp decline in suspicion arrests can be viewed as a sign that we are winning the federal government's psychological operations, where techniques are being used to influence our value systems, belief systems, emotions, motives, reasoning, or behavior. How much longer will crying wolf on terror, pandemics, climate change distract the population from realizing that their fears are not real? End quote. Once again, thank you very much to Greg Perry from Utah for that excellent contribution. And if the signs that we are winning continue to pour in from the contact section of the CorbettReport.com website or via our voicemail line, 512-553-0297, then perhaps we will have a follow-up episode in the future with all of the new submissions. So by all means, continue to keep them rolling in. Of course, on that note, perhaps one of the signs that the Corbett Report is winning is that we now officially receive way too much feedback to ever possibly respond to all of it. So if you don't hear back from me after having submitted an excellent idea, please don't take it personally. I do read everything that comes in, I just don't have time to get back to everyone. So again, this is a sign that we are winning and that the audience for this podcast continues to grow at a phenomenal rate. Once again, thank you to all the listeners who continue to spread the word about this website. 
And now today we have a lot of real news to get through, so without further ado, let's get to today's real news. Today's first real news story comes from the Corbett Report, 4th of October 2009. First order of business for post-Lisbon EU, appoint war criminal as president. Major media outlets from the BBC in Britain to RTE in Ireland are now reporting that the yes side scored a resounding victory in Ireland's vote Friday on the EU-Lisbon Treaty. With the treaty's ratification, the obstacles preventing the total federalization of the EU superstate are now removed. As the Daily Mail reported earlier this week, one of the first orders of business for the post-Lisbon EU will be to appoint Tony Blair as the first president of the European Union. This move has been fully expected ever since Tony Blair's highly suspect conversion to Catholicism two years ago. Of course, the many laudatory pieces, and even the adversarial ones we are likely to read about Mr. Blair in the coming weeks, will signally fail to mention that he has been accused of numerous war crimes and crimes against humanity, including continuing economic sanctions imposed on Iraq from 1990 until its invasion at the hands of his government in 2003 that resulted in the deaths of 500,000 Iraqi children. Conspiracy to join with another power in a war of aggression, the supreme international war crime. High treason in manufacturing a case for war, including the infamous Downing Street Memo. Participating in a political and military coalition with the U.S. in Iraq that deployed contravened weapons like white phosphorus. Today's second real news story comes from thetelegraph.co.uk. 3rd of October 2009. Most people in denial over climate change, according to psychologists. The majority of people in Britain are in denial about the risk of global warming in our lifetimes, according to a new study into the psychology of climate change. The Met Office has warned that if the world continues to burn fossil fuels at the current rate, temperatures will rise about 4 degrees Celsius in the next 50 years. This will cause sea level rise, droughts, floods, and mass collapse of ecosystems. However, Clive Hamilton, professor of public ethics at the Australian National University, said the majority of the population is still in denial about the risks of climate change. He compared the situation to the psychology of the British and German populations before the Second World War and said the only way to make people change their behavior is to ramp up the fear factor. Today's next real news story comes from The Globe and Mail, 30th of September 2009. Study prompts provinces to rethink flu plan. A perplexing Canadian study linking H1N1 to seasonal flu shots is throwing national influenza plans into disarray and testing public faith in the government agencies responsible for protecting the nation's health. Distributed for peer review last week, the study confounded infectious disease experts in suggesting that people vaccinated against seasonal flu are twice as likely to catch swine flu. The paper is under peer review, and lead researchers Danuta Skaronsky of the British Columbia Centre for Disease Control and Gaston de Sers of Laval University must stay mum until it's published. Met with intense early skepticism both in Canada and abroad, the paper has since convinced several public health agencies to announce hasty suspensions of seasonal flu vaccinations, long-held fixtures of public health planning. It has confused things very badly, said Dr. Ethan Rubenstein, head of adult infectious diseases at the University of Manitoba. And it has certainly cost us credibility from the public because of conflicting recommendations. Until last week, there had always been much encouragement to get the seasonal flu vaccine. Dr. Rubenstein, who has read the study, said it appears sound. There are a large number of authors, all of them excellent and credible researchers, he said, and the sample size is very large, 12 or 13 million people taken from the central reporting systems in three provinces, 
The research is solid. Today's next real news story comes from the Raw Story, 30th of September 2009. U.S. secretly tried to make a deal with Goldman Sachs in wake of financial crisis. The government secretly tried to orchestrate a deal involving Goldman Sachs in the week following Lehman Brothers' collapse and considered using the Federal Reserve to help support such a transaction, Andrew Ross Sorkin reports in the new issue of Vanity Fair. In an excerpt from his forthcoming book, Too Big to Fail, the inside story of how Wall Street and Washington fought to save the financial system and themselves, Sorkin reports that the deal, which was nearly consummated, would have merged Goldman Sachs and Wachovia. Henry M. Paulson, the Treasury Secretary and former CEO of Goldman, was deeply involved in the process, contacting both Lloyd Blankfein, Goldman's current CEO, and a Wachovia board member, and strongly urged both to consider it. Wachovia's CEO, Robert Steele, was a former vice chairman at Goldman Sachs and Paulson's former number two at the Treasury Department. Today's next real news story comes from MonstersAndCritics.com, 27th of September 2009. Guantanamo Prison won't be closed by January as planned. The U.S. prison for suspected terrorist detainees at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, will not be closed by January as planned, U.S. government officials said Saturday. According to a report by U.S. broadcaster CNN, two members of the U.S. administration stated that the planned date to close the facility would not be met due to unresolved legal questions. Today's next real news story comes from ABC News, 26th of September 2009. President Obama reaffirms power of indefinite detention, will not seek additional congressional powers. The Obama administration reaffirmed its belief this week that it has the power to indefinitely detain prisoners at Guantanamo and said it would not reach out and ask Congress to craft legislation to give them the authority. Justice Department spokesman Dean Boyd said that when Congress on September 18, 2001, gave President George W. Bush the authorization to use force against those behind the 9-11 attacks, lawmakers gave President Obama the power to indefinitely detain prisoners captured in that effort. Today's final real news story comes from BBC News, 30th of September 2009. Georgia started unjustified war. The war in Georgia last year was started by a Georgian attack that was not justified by international law, an EU-sponsored report has concluded. The conflict erupted on the 7th of August 2008 as Georgia shelled the breakaway region of South Ossetia in an attempt to regain control over it. The shelling of Skinvali, the South Ossetian capital, by the Georgian armed forces during the night of 7th to 8th August 2008 marked the beginning of the large-scale armed conflict in Georgia, the report says. It adds later, There is the question of whether this use of force was justifiable under international law. It was not. Welcome to episode 101 of the Corbett Report podcast, New World Order 101. With 100 episodes of this podcast under our belt and 100 explorations of key topics and key dangers that are facing free humanity at this current day and age under our belt, perhaps it's time to turn our attention fully to a phrase that has been employed time and time again in this podcast, but has hitherto been left to be inferred rather than fully detailed and explained, and that, of course, is the New World Order. Now, the majority of my listeners will know by now that this is not a chance concatenation of words that has been put together out of thin air by conspiratorial-minded crazy people, in fact, this is not our phrase at all. It is their phrase. When we are successful, and we will be, 
we have a real chance at this new world order. And after 1989, President Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order. In 1990, another old world ended, dominated by the Cold War, and people talked then, in 1990, of a new world order. We bring the world new order. I order Hitler's world and order. Everyone of foreign race will love the foreign states, then we bring to the world this order. There is a chance for the President of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think, only once and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. Nevertheless, the United States is in a key position to shape this so that the problem of the Bush presidency will be the emergence of a new international order. Within the next four years, we will see the emergence of a new international the order. The beginning. Now, that list of instances of the use of the New World Order in the modern political context was, of course, compiled as the introduction of a Corbett Report video. In fact, one of the first videos of the Corbett Report, entitled What Conspiracy?, which was first posted to YouTube in 2007 and recently has become one of the most viewed videos on veracityvideos.com. But, of course, I think a lot of those instances of the use of the term are by now quite familiar to most people, and they only begin to scratch the surface of the times throughout history in which this phrase has been employed. So for some of the deeper background of this phrase, and even more instances of its usage, let's turn to deceased researcher and radio host William Cooper, from his audio series, Mystery Babylon, which we first listened to in episode 88, You Are Being Programmed. This coming from episode 5 of that series, in which William Cooper talks about the various ways in which the New World Order has been used as a phrase by politicians of various stripes throughout history. Is it possible that there are actually people and organizations who really want to change the basic order of things? Well, my regular listeners know the answer to that. Clues to the answers to these questions, folks, can be gleaned from some comments made by people and organizations that are talking about these wide-ranging changes in the nature of our lifestyle. An Associated Press Dispatch on July the 26th, 1968, reported this, quote, New York Governor Nelson A. Rockefeller says as president he would work toward international creation of a new world order, unquote. And you thought George Bush coined that phrase? Surprise, surprise. On January the 30th, 1976, a new document called the Declaration of Interdependence was introduced to the American people, and it was signed by 124 traitors, 32 senators, and 92 representatives, altogether 124 traitors in Washington, D.C., and it read in part, quote, Two centuries ago, our forefathers brought forth a new nation. Now we must join with others to bring forth a new world order, unquote. And you thought George Bush coined that phrase. Surprise, surprise. Another individual who has commented is Henry Kissinger, probably the greatest traitor this nation has ever known, former Secretary of State. According to the Seattle Post-Intelligence of April 18, 1975, Mr. Kissinger said, quote, our nation is uniquely endowed to play a creative and decisive role in the new order which is taking form around us." Unquote. George Bush gave the commencement address at Texas A&M University on May 12, 1989, and he used similar words as well. His speech was on the subject of Soviet-American relations, and he was quoted as saying in part, quote, "...ultimately, our objective is to welcome the Soviet Union back into the world order." Perhaps the world order of the future will truly be a family of nations, unquote. Historian Walter Mills maintained that prior to World War I, Colonel Edward Mandel House, the major advisor to Woodrow Wilson, the president at the time, had a hidden motive for involving America in the war. The historian wrote this, quote, 
The colonel's sole justification for preparing such a batch of blood for his countrymen was his hope of establishing a new world order of peace and security, unquote. You see how these people fool themselves? <laughs> they always say that the end is peace and security, a world utopia. But to get it, they spill more blood than ever has been spilled in history each time they try to bring about their utopia. The blood runs in the streets. They're liars. They're hypocrites. They're manipulators, deceivers. They're the worshipers of Lucifer. Adolf Hitler, a socialist and the head of the German government prior to and during the nation's involvement in World War II, is quoted as saying this, quote, National Socialism will use its own revolution for the establishing of a new world order, unquote. Adolf Hitler was a socialist. Nazi means National Socialism. Hitler confided to Hermann Roschning, the president of the Danzig Senate, quote, National Socialism is more than a religion. It is the will to create Superman, unquote. And what is the number of the man? You see, in the New World Order, only one man will be allowed to live. The new man, the illumined man, and the number of that man is 666. You will see that number increasingly all around you. You will also begin to see pyramids increasingly all around you, and the eye in the pyramid, and the eye alone. And you will see circles with a dot in the center. And you will see obelisks appearing all over the place. And these are not the only signs. There are many, many, many more. They're the signs of the religion of mystery Babylon. Now, of course, the talk of Luciferians and pyramids and all-seeing eyes will either serve to turn on some members of the audience or to turn off other members of the audience. But I would like to interject here with something that I raised in my recent interview with Claire Swinney about the spiritual side of the New World Order, and that is that my position on this is that, quite frankly, it doesn't matter to me what your belief is or is not in terms of spirituality. It makes absolutely no difference to me. Because regardless of whether or not one believes in any particular religion or religious belief or religious practice, that has absolutely no bearing on the fact that there are people in society who do believe in such things, and that if these people are in positions of prominence, they can manifest those beliefs in reality. They can make them come true, regardless of whether or not they are factually true. So the question is not whether you believe in spiritual forces or spiritual energy that can be gained from committing mock human sacrifices in the woods every summer, or whether or not you keep a personal style consultant on your staff to help you channel the light or partake in Aztec rebirthing rituals like the Blairs, or use astrology to guide every single aspect of your life down to the precise minute when you will begin press conferences like the Reagans or whether you keep trinkets like the monkey god Haruman in your pocket at all times like Obama, or whether you have ever belonged to a secret college fraternity whose initiation rites include kissing human skulls and digging up the bones of ancient Native American heroes, like the Bushes, or used crystal balls in order to commune with the spirits of Leonardo da Vinci and Sir Wilfrid Laurier and Franklin Delano Roosevelt in order to figure out how to come up with unities from antitheses, like former Canadian Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King. No, the point is not whether or not you believe in that. It is whether there are people in positions of power in society that can actually manifest those beliefs believe in that. Another way of framing that, of course, is to look at a different example. For example, you do not have to believe in the ideals of the ideology of globalism and collectivism to understand that there are people in the world who believe in globalism and collectivism and are actively working to make that happen in real life. You do not have to believe it as long as other people who do believe it are attempting to bring that to fruition. Are we seeing an increased use of occultic imagery in politics and in governmental agencies? Are we seeing more pyramids and more all-seeing eyes? Well, 
I'll leave that for you to decide, but of course I'll include a few links in the documentation section to help you get started with that research if you haven't yet done so. But of course this is by no means to imply that the New World Order is, in and of itself, something necessarily related to spiritual beliefs. In fact, at base, I think the New World Order is a system of control driven by an underlying ideology, and that there are people who genuinely believe in this ideology and genuinely believe that they are doing what's best for humanity in the same way that, for example, someone with eugenicist beliefs think that killing off the useless eaters of society would be best for humanity. And, of course, in that regard, then the only way to fight against this system is to have an open and honest debate about the underlying ideological issues. This, of course, is something that the New World Order desperately tries to prevent from happening. As one of the correspondents in last week's episode pointed out, Carol Quigley pointed out to his students that the most important lesson he was giving them was teaching them how to think. And, of course, we all know how Zbigniew Brzezinski and Bertrand Russell and many of the other eugenicists who have been lauded as political saviors or scientific heroes or great thinkers have all, in their public writings, openly conceded the fact that they want the vast majority of humanity to be dumbed down to the point where they are incapable of thinking for themselves. And again, please see the documentation list for today's episode for the specific examples from their writings. To that end, then, perhaps before we can even begin to approach the solution to the New World Order, we have to understand what the New World Order is, and what is the underlying ideology behind it. Of course, this is a monumental undertaking in trying to define the New World Order, and to some extent that's what every episode for the past 100 episodes of this podcast has attempted to do, piece by piece. And it's only with an understanding of all of those pieces of evidence that we've looked at so far that one can really begin to confront this issue. But rather than listening to my opinions on this, I thought it would be beneficial this week to listen to some of the old-timers, people who have been in this fight for decades and who have spent most of their life researching, analyzing, and resisting the New World Order. To that end, I had the chance to talk once again to regular guest on The Corbett Report, Bob Chapman, just this week. And of course, that interview is now available from the webpage CorbettReport.com. The interview is fascinating because, of course, Bob Chapman has been writing about the New World Order for decades now, and even owned and wrote the Gary Allen Report since 1967, which of course eventually morphed into the International Forecaster, which he still runs today at theinternationalforecaster.com. Let's listen to an excerpt from that interview with Bob Chapman, where I ask him what it was like attempting to bring awareness of the issue of the New World Order way back in the 1960s, when very few people had even heard of its existence. Well, I think uh, we got the same reaction that we do today. Oh, this is incredible. I mean, how could this be? Uh, how could people be so evil? Uh, and uh, I'll have to see, um, show me along the way, and uh, maybe I'll become convinced. And uh, that went on for some years. Uh, I started out with Gary Allen and Alan Stang, uh, Anthony Hilder, and uh, G. Edward Griffin, and we all began about the same time in the early 60s. And uh, a little bit later came Dr. Stan Monteith, but I didn't know Stan in those days. He lived in Northern California, and I lived in Southern California. But be as it may, uh, it was uh, very, very difficult to be accepted. And in those days, you had a very, very strong left-wing faction in America that was howling about the Vietnam War, and as it has turned out, rightly so. And uh, we agreed, but on different principles and different methods of uh, ending it. And uh, But we knew then that there was guiding forces behind the things that happened. Uh, no win wars. We, we experienced the same thing in, in, in Korea. 
uh, I guess we won the Second World War uh, because we overwhelmed the enemy. Uh, the evolution of what I call the Illuminati, and many others do as well, uh, began uh, back in the 13th century when uh, they took over uh, the uh, the entire banking system of Europe from what was known for a better name with the Crusaders who ran it. And, of course, there were the purges, and the Catholic Church was involved, in, and so on. And then in later years, uh, we had the collapse of the Lombard system, which was their Fed Reserve system at that time. And that was in 1348, and uh, uh, they were thrown out of uh, Venice, which was the housing for the Lombard system, and they were exiled. And, but that didn't do much good because they came back stronger than ever in a, a couple of hundred years to follow. And, uh, and, and so this has been an ongoing thing for centuries. Uh, some of it's family-oriented, some of it isn't. Uh, they choose very, very bright people who become pliable, and they elevate them within their uh, structure, which is enormously well-financed. And they essentially entrap them uh, into being part of uh, what they are up to. And basically what they're up to is total control of the human race, uh, peering down excess population, and having a world government which they would, would control and tell everybody what to do because they know better what's good for the people and the people do. And uh, <clears throat> I suppose they figure uh, half the people in the world are useless eaters, so let's just get rid of them. And that's what the wars and the epidemics and things like that, particularly in modern times, are all about. It's a culling process for them. And so, yes, it's diabolical. Yes, it's very difficult for people to believe. But that's a reality if you read history. And such combinations and such ideas uh, predate uh, the modern Illuminati. They go back 6,000 years. Uh, some group was always trying to get control and uh, or share control with others. Uh, we, we saw a good example of that in Egypt with the priestly cult and then the uh, nobility, etc. And so uh, what happens to nobility uh, through the centuries is that uh, they uh, tend to believe that they're godlike creatures. And we saw a lot of that during the Roman Empire. It was responsible for uh, the ongoing 400-year decimation of that empire. And so that, those, that's the groundwork of uh, where this came from. Uh, that's where they're headed. And in modern times, you, you can look at the uh, factional uh, financing of Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini uh, during the 1930s came from New York, London, etc. And uh, they put him in a position where he could become Hitler, in this case, where he could become uh, the Chancellor of Germany, and uh, and the same with the relatively obscure professor, uh, Benito Mussolini, uh, who happened to be a Marxist before he was a, uh, a fascist. And uh, so you have these people financing both sides of everything, and that's how they always win. And yes, they suffer on one side, but they gain on the other. And uh, so we're seeing today a good example was a recent election in the United States. It was a seamless change. Team A come in and they replace Team B. Where did they all come from? All the bureaucrats came from the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, and the Bilderberger Group. And they all have the same goal, and that is to have world government. And so no matter who we have in the White House, he's controlled and uh, has been for a long time. And today it's so easy through campaign contributions. They control probably 95% of the House and the Senate uh, through campaign contributions and other things, which you all know about that I won't go into. And, and then you have a group that's compromised, 
through their own personal activities. And then you have the good guys, which are very small in number, who are not on the take and uh, who are not uh, doing things they shouldn't be doing. And so people, when they vote, they have been buried, uh, at least for the last 60 years, in this left-right paradigm. And uh, we have to end it because that was created to confuse people. We have to go after the issues. We have to go after the problems. Uh, what is the problem? The main problem is the Fed Reserve. Uh, Ron Paul has got the right bill at the right time. Uh, 290 co-sponsors. We need it passed. We need an investigation. When the people find out what these people have been doing, they'll go into orbit. But getting rid of the Fed will slay the monster because uh, it's going to make it very, very difficult for them to control uh, the financial end of things without a private central bank. And so I think it's one of the things that could put us back on the right track if Americans would finally uh, speak up and say to the people who are running for office, look, you've got to represent us and not the bankers and the industrialists and Wall Street, etc. If we can have that happen, uh, we can turn this thing around. If it doesn't happen, it's going to be very nasty. Well, that's an incredibly detailed response. And in fact, you touched on a number of the things that I, I really wanted to ask about today. And it's interesting that you you, you put the uh, the birth of the New World Order system in the back in the 13th century with the birth of the modern banking system with the, uh, the Crusaders. And you list the goal of the New World Order being, of course, the one world government, maybe the one world currency as well. And it touches on banking and politics and society. So I guess... My question is, how do banking and, and politics and society and all these things nexus together in the New World Order system? Are they all simply tools for these elite string pullers to use to direct the world in the direction they want? Or, or does one of these things drive the others? I think it's a, a multi-factional uh, attack. And they have the money so that they can have hundreds, if not thousands, of think tanks, foundations. Now, foundations are great for them because that's where they hide their money and then they use that money to their ends to do what they want to do. And so it's a perfect cover and not pay taxes at the same time. But they're working 24-7 worldwide on all of the social, political, financial, and economic factions and they bring these things together in groups like the Rand Corporation. Uh, used to be Croton on Hudson. Uh, the, and, and there's a, a myriad of groups that are used for nothing but research. And because of their unlimited fundam, funding, it makes it very difficult for us to compete with them. And they're masters of propaganda and brainwashing and... Uh, and misdirection, uh, they, they get the people going 16 different ways at once. Bob Chapman of TheInternationalForecaster.com. And of course, listeners are advised once again that you can get a free copy of The International Forecaster by going to TheInternationalForecaster.com and sending a message. Well, as Mr. Chapman pointed out in that discussion, quite rightly, I think, there are elements within society that do hold key positions of power that are seeking to bring about a new type of world order, and they are afflicted with the disease of all emperors and tyrants in the belief that they are somehow inherently superior to the rest of humanity and thus have the right to do whatever they want to the rest of humanity. But once again, just the concatenation of words like new world order or the great work of the ages which they believe they are working towards does not mean that they are right in their assessments or that they are actually creating a new system of any type. In fact, of course, as has been mentioned many, many times, the new world order looks very much like the old world order with a small band of oligarchs banding together and sometimes fighting with each other but still banding together when it counts in order to further consolidate their control over society. And in the end, the cynics among us might even ask, well, what is 
the real significance of even a phrase or a term like New World Order. Because, of course, such phrases and terms are valuable insofar as they might help us to identify the enemy or the enemy system which we are facing. But when that term becomes a term that's used in and of itself, and its meaning is assumed and inferred rather than made explicit, perhaps we are in fact doing this information a disservice. Because after all, words are words, but the system that is being erected around us is much greater than a mere three-word phrase. Well, on that note, let's turn to an interview that I had the honor of conducting earlier this week with one of the titans of the Infowar, who has been around as long as Bob Chapman, that is to say decades and decades, performing the slow but steady and sure work of waking people up to the New World Order system and how it operates, which of course is the key to understanding the New World Order, not as a phrase, but as a political reality. So on that note, let's take a listen to an excerpt from my interview with G. Edward Griffin, author of such works as The Creature from Jekyll Island, and of course the man behind presentations which we've featured in previous episodes of this podcast like the conspiratorial view of history told by the conspirators themselves, as well, of course, as the absolutely essential interview with Norm Dodd about the Reese Commission, which we played in an earlier episode of this podcast, which is absolutely essential listening. So because it's been a number of episodes since we played that, I will include another link to it in today's documentation list. But suffice it to say, G. Edward Griffin is an incredible guest to have on to speak about the New World Order and the system behind it. So let's listen to an excerpt where he responds to my question about how much stock he puts in a phrase like New World Order. Well, I don't put much stock in the phrase because it doesn't really uh, mean anything. It's like a code word. It means different things to different people. Uh, the elitists who use it have a very special meaning. Uh, they mean that it is a, a global system of collectivism based on the model of collectivism with their own particular elite group in control at the top. And uh, that's what they mean by it. Uh, however, when they uh, deliver that phrase and it's repeated over the media or you know, they give it in speeches and there are large audiences listening to it, it, it has a more soothing uh, definition. People think of it as being nice and good. And um, George Bush the first, I think, uh, when he introduced that phrase at the United Nations some years ago, he always followed it up with the phrase that we will live under a new world order, a world of law. And it's, those are soothing words, a world of law. Well, you see, people don't stop and think that... Uh, the people in Nazi Germany lived under the rule of law. It's not a question of rule of law. It's a question of what kind of law. What are the limits on the law? And, you know, what's the philosophy behind the law? But nobody thinks about those things. They just respond emotionally to these phrases. The new world order sounds much better than the old world anarchy. But, you know, so... You ask me what stock I put in the words. I don't put any stock in the words because I know that generally they're being used as propaganda phrases to soothe the population into some kind of apathy or approval of the process without them realizing that this new world order and so-called rule of law is actually a growing tyranny. And uh, so that's the stock I put in it, which is zero. Well, given that this New World Order, or whatever we call it, is the exact antithesis of all the ideals that we cherish, how can we effectively oppose it? Well, we can. I think the active word there is effectively. Um, we can oppose it, of course, in every way that we can, uh, primarily through uh, argument, through debate, through uh, reasoning, through study of history. Uh, in other words, we can advocate... Uh, uh, that there is a better way. We can advocate that the concept of individualism is a far superior social order uh, than collectivism, but that's not an effective opposition to it, because what happens is that individualists like us tend to uh, 
gravitate away from power centers. We don't like to control other people's lives, and so very few of us want to go into politics. We don't want to go into government work. Uh, we, we just don't like that. We want to be individuals. We want to produce. We want to pursue the American dream or whatever, let other people alone to do what they want to do and hope they leave us alone. But collectivists are not that kind at all. These are the controllers. These are the social engineers. Uh, these are the people that want to tell you and me what to do with our lives for our own good, of course, for the greater good of the greater number. And they gravitate into positions of uh, leveraged power over people. So they go into government, and they're the ones, up, the ones that wind up in political uh, position. They're the ones that wind up controlling the police forces and the military units, and they actually dictate to us what we must do. And if we, uh, you know, oppose them, they throw us in prison or uh, deny us of existence, as they say in China one of the great collectivist societies of the world. So um, to effectively oppose collectivism, I believe we have to go to the power centers where this power is concentrated and remove the collectivists from uh, their positions of authority. In other words, we've got to get into politics. We've got to go in to uh, all of the uh, media centers, we've got to go into the school systems, we've got to go into the church organizations, the labor unions, all of these um, uh, positions of social, uh, you know, the power centers is what the sociologists call it. Uh, we have to become active in those groups and do our best to, uh, to become influential and to provide leadership. Only then can we dislodge the collectivists from those pinnacles of power, and only then can we effectively oppose it. I absolutely agree with that analysis. So tell people about Freedom Force International. Well, Freedom Force International is, a, is an organization that I created in 2002, which was aimed specifically at accomplishing that goal, which is to uh, help each other to create a network, a support network, so that we can help each other go into the power centers of society where we should have been all along. It's not like infiltrating them. We, we should have been in, in these uh, civic organizations and, uh, and social organizations uh, because it's, it's an obligation we have, I think, to, uh, to make our voices on behalf of freedom heard and, and to uh, put ourselves in a position where we can offer leadership because most people, you know, are content to follow. They really don't have much of an appetite for these deeper issues. Uh, they'll pretty much follow whoever is in charge. So uh, we know that the great battle for control of, of a nation or a, a society really is fought uh, among about 3% of the population or less. It's that 1% to 3% that struggle for dominance, and the rest will follow. So we recognize that. We may not like that reality, but we'd like to think that uh, we're in that 3% and we have an obligation to create a better system and to provide better leadership so that the masses will follow us uh, on behalf of freedom instead of following in into their own enslavement. Of course, I would encourage my listeners to go and check out Freedom Force International at freedomforceinternational.org in order to become involved in an organization that seeks to strike at the very heart of the ideology which opposes us and to put people who are interested in spreading the word about liberty into the positions of power where they can start to manifest their own ideas in the real world exactly as the New World Order, however it's defined, manifests its opposite ideology in our real world. And of course, the time for getting involved with organizations like Freedom Force International or whatever organization you see out there that is effectively resisting this ideology of collectivism and globalization at the expense of freedom and liberty needs your support now more than ever. Because, of course, regardless of whether or not the New World Order is simply a phrase and is in some ways used as some sort of marketing for the ideology of collectivism as if the New World Order would be such a snazzy thing to have, well, at the very least, it does serve as a marker of the ideology we're opposing. And its in astonishing increase in use over the last year must have some meaning behind it. 
And of course, just a few of the literally thousands upon thousands of articles, stories, and TV adverts that are coming out using this phrase now is just absolutely mind-boggling. But we can generally chart the course and rise of this phrase in the media over the past year from the fall of Lehman Brothers back in September of last year. And of course, that precipitated the global economic recession. But of course, the BBC came out with a spot for a program that they had called Aftershock, which asks the question, will the global recession lead to a new world order? Indeed, I wonder what the answer to that will be. And of course, on September 15th, 2008, just as the Lehman Brothers story was breaking, Bloomberg ran a story, New Financial World Order, as Lehman Falls and Merrill sold. And of course, we have that original title and that original story preserved on wiseupjournal.com, but in the intervening time, Bloomberg.com has seen fit to change the title of that article from New Financial World Order to Tectonic Shift. Uh, I can't imagine why they would want to expunge the New World Order from their headline, but at any rate, it is still preserved in the quotation from Peter Kenny, the managing director at Knight Capital Group, Inc., who said, quote, The tectonic plates beneath the world financial system are shifting, and there is going to be a new financial world order that will be born of this. And, of course, that was a phrase that was picked up on time and time and time and time and time and time again in the intervening months, including November 2008, when there was a G20 summit, where there was much talk of a modern Bretton Woods, and places like the Independent on Sunday at independent.co.uk ran articles with headlines like G20 Summit, New World Order, question mark. And, of course, that was covered by hundreds and hundreds of news outlets around the world. And, of course, in April, we also had uh, G20 uh, London Summit in 2009. And that was greeted by such headlines as G20 shapes new world order with lesser role for U.S. and markets from Bloomberg.com. This time they didn't change the headline. We also had another story from The Independent Also from that same time, 3rd of April 2009, Obama hails the New World Order. And of course, it has persisted, that meme has persisted right through to today, September 25th, 2009, we had New World Order, Obama to widen G20's role from NBCMiami.com. And of course, also covering the G20 in Pittsburgh on September 25th, we had FoxNews.com, Obama to usher in New World Order at G20. And on, and on, and on, and on, and on. Clearly, this is not a chance concatenation of words, at the very least, because at this point, it is quite evident to anyone who is paying attention to politics that there is a conspiracy theory surrounding the words New World Order. So why those particular words continue to be used again and again and again and again and again to describe the political ideology and the aims of the people who are in positions of power to bring about the consolidation of the global governmental system under a new financial regulatory network, which was identified even as far back as Carol Quigley in his writings and even further back than that, why they continue to go back to that particular phrase... I'll leave my listeners to ponder for themselves. But at any rate, again, what is important about this is the underlying ideology behind the phrase, not the phrase itself. And unfortunately, that particular underlying ideology has seen even more impetus in the last few weeks with story after story after story that is simply ground-shaking, absolutely central to the development and emergence of this new world order, and which is absolutely harrowing in all of its consequences and ramifications. Just some of those incredible events lately can be found, for example, from rightsoup.com, because, of course, suddenly now the right of the phony right-left political paradigm is able to critique the government again and see its faults. And, of course, as soon as the transition back to the right happens, again, the right will continue to be unable to see any fault whatsoever in their team, and the left will be able to once again see how corrupt the government is. But at any rate, rightsoup.com, September 9th, 2009, while we were looking the other way, 
Obama to be first president to chair UN Security Council. Of course, some of the other incredibly important events taking place around the world right now in this formation of the New World Order include the ramping up of the rhetoric in the latest round of war propaganda with people beating the drums of war against Iran. But of course, this time it's Obama, so I guess the left will be absolutely happy that this is happening. But at any rate, we can gain a glimpse of why this might be a bad thing from stories like this one from Reuters.com. China, Britain diverge on Iran nuclear sanctions. Well, of course, if China happens to not go along with the Iran invasion, if it does indeed pan out for the globalists, then what we will have will be nothing short than the certain and utter and complete and instantaneous death of the dollar. Because, of course, it's well known by now that China is one of the countries that is absolutely central in propping up the dollar as the world reserve currency. And all they have to do is to stop buying U.S. government debt. And the U.S. is in very, very deep trouble. And then we have stories like this one that is just so unexplicable, so bizarre, so far out in left field that they can only be signs that there are truly tectonic shifts, as Bloomberg might suddenly change the headline to read, in the world order. And that, of course, comes from msnbc.com, October 1st, 2009. Montana Attorney General launches probe of jail deal, talking about the utterly utterly bizarre story that's unfolding in Hardin, Montana, around an empty jail facility that was just taken over by a foreign mercenary force headed by a convicted felon under the name American Police Force, which is turning out to just be a shadier and shadier organization. Again, that's an incredibly bizarre story, but perhaps one of the signs that we are not so far from privatized security forces coming in and claiming to be authorities and whether or not people put up the resistance is the question. And of course, that is the point. So just as G. Edward Griffin urged earlier, I will urge once again for people to take up the mantle and people who are aware and understand the political significance of what's happening have to take back the reins of control from the people whose ideology drives them towards the camp of the globalists. Because, of course, a global system of tyranny is being set up for whatever good intentions some might be deluded into thinking actually exist here. The point is that the European Union, for example, is nothing other than a bureaucratic tyranny, and it must be resisted tooth and nail. And, of course, now that the Lisbon Treaty has been passed, we have seen yet another expansion of that monstrous organization. So hopefully my European listeners will do whatever they can to continue to resist the European Union, even in light of this horrific expansion. Once again, what you do to resist the New World Order is up to you. But if you don't resist, they have won. Resistance is our victory. That's it for today. I am your host, James Corbett, thanking you for joining me and asking you to join me again next week for episode 102 of the Corbett Report podcast, Know Your History, Iran-Contra. Have you ever taken a moment to second question? Found yourself entangled in evil deceptions. Uncover the truth to infernal dimension. A group of elitists with demonic intentions. It's time to pay attention to the world unveiled. Hidden in plain sight with grim details. Three simple letters, but do they spell? Fight the new world order, we will prevail. Have you ever taken a moment to second guess? The Freemasonic Order or the IRS? The Carlisle Group and the CFR? The Bohemian Grove and other so in the shadows, invaded for oil from the leader in the gallows, land of the free man, it's land of the fascist, have a little taste every time you pay taxes, the facts still remains, slowly see the change, keeping you in line as they tighten up the reins, the boogeyman's a blame for our global mainframe, then they'll kill 80%, but we see the end game, such a shame, it won't stop, eyes wide shut, listen close to my words, because it's time to wake up, it's time to live for your God, see through
through the lies It's time to save our republic Stand up and rise Have you ever taken a moment to second question? Found yourself entangled in evil deceptions A cover the truth to infernal dimension A group of elitists with demonic intentions It's time to pay attention to the world unveiled Hidden in plain sight with grim details Three simple letters, what do they spell? Fight the new